Welcome to the State of Men. I'm Aiden Dowling. And I'm Mike Watts. In today's episode, we have an awesome special guest, Jason Rosario. Jason is an Afro-Latino native New Yorker. What up, New York? I'm from New York also, Jason. Uh, Jason Rosario has spent most of his life breaking down barriers and building an inclusive culture, building up inclusive cultures. He's passionate about innovation and the power of creativity to drive change. As, cre as Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer, Jason oversees diversity, equity, and inclusion practices across BBDO Worldwide, the most awarded agency network in the world. He is an expert at helping brands identify and implement inclusive practices at the enterprise level, having worked with top clients, including Netflix and Yahoo, Spotify, and Huffington Post. Prior to joining BBDO, Jason worked for Verizon Media Group as manager of global diversity and inclusion and was the executive producer and host of the Yahoo News original web series, Dear Men. In 2017, he founded The Lives of Men, a social impact creative agency that explores themes around masculinity, mental health, and culture. He's a graduate of NYU's Stern Schools of Business and sits on the board of Made of Millions, a nonprofit organization changing the negative st stigmas around mental health. Welcome, Jason. We are so happy to have you here. Thank you so much. It's always weird to hear your bio read, read out loud because <laughs> you got to kind of sit there like smile and nod. <laughs> you did great. You did great. It's great. I mean, it's like impactful, you know, like yeah. I'm like, damn, well, wow, we got this is we got like a king in front of us. Let's get yeah. let's get, you know, that was amazing. Oh, no. But it's a pleasure. Uh, Mike, I don't remember. I, I mean, it's been almost two years, right, since we last spoke um on, on your podcast but uh but i'm glad to be here thanks thanks for having me yeah it was right when you're you were kind of in between it was right i think it was right before you got the the bb bbdo job yeah yeah because it was right before i knew you were in between with like you were starting with the lives of men and the the series episodes just came out yeah um i have a really important question to kick us off though so being bald right so i recently have i was at the barber and i'm down here in miami now we moved from maine to miami and the guys only speak speak spanish at the barbershop i go to so i'm trying to explain to them what to do and obviously i can speak very small amounts so he ended up shaving my head completely down to the skin but left my beard and i was like well that's not what i asked for but you know let's go for it and then i came home and kate was like I really like it. Like, this is cool. So how often do you work on your head? You know, is it like a daily thing? Because what I've been doing is just letting it grow out a little bit. And then I go get it, you know, cut back down. So well, I do it myself. Um, and I'm, I don't know, man, I'm a stickler. Uh, I, I probably shave every other day just to kind of keep it clean and neat. Um, and then this thing here, this is probably a year's worth of growth, man. I don't, I don't grow any facial hair. Um, and this is as much as I'm going to get. So I'm, I'm pretty lucky in that way in that, you know, I don't have to, uh, deal with the facial shaves on a daily basis, but the head definitely more, uh, high maintenance. I, I shave every other day, moisturize, do all the things, man. And then with just like a re regular razor, you know, I, it's funny, man, because I, I continue to explore and experiment with different things. So I've settled and I think I found my solution. Um, I'm not going to name the name brand because I know we're not sponsored by these guys, but I got a, an electric shaver. Uh, I used to do the whole um, sh at straight edge. I did the the, the kind of cartridge razor razors uh, and I was just getting a lot of irritation on my head uh, and a lot of discoloration as well. So I just was like, let me just go the electric route. 
So I started doing both, right? And then I finally settled on just doing wet shaves with the electric razor and it's super close, uh, doesn't leave your skin irritated uh, and it's super easy. It's, just, you know, cuts the shaving time down in half. Uh, so I think I've settled on that routine. Um, and then just preparing the same way, you moisturize and exfoliate and all the things, but the electric shave or wet shave is the way to go. Oh, okay, great. I'm glad we've covered. I was, I was getting right. I was standing in the kitchen 20 minutes ago. I was like, he'd be a guy to ask this question too. Cause <laughs> I never even thought about it, but I was just there. I was like touching my head and I was like, okay, what do I do now? Yeah. But anyway, um, so last time we talked, you were doing the lives of men and really creating the community and you had the Yahoo show. Is that still, because now you've taken this new position, is this still something you're working with, with the community that's been, because I know it was really localized and then we had the pandemic and all this stuff, everything shut down. So what's yeah. happening with all of that? Um, well, I think it's been interesting because even before the, the job came uh, my way, I, I was thinking about how I needed to kind of pivot it and you know, I think so much uh, of, of my time was being spent on how to monetize this work, right? Like, how do I mm. build a business around this? I had left my job at Yahoo and, and at, um, at, um, at, at Verizon Media Group to do this full time. And so it's just like, man, you know, when you, when you think about how much pressure you put on something that you feel is your purpose, you know, you start to get separated from the, the true purpose of why you do that work. Uh, and, and if you remember, our conversations were always around you know, that work was for me first, right? As a man who was on a journey um, healing and, and really of self-discovery, I felt like I was being separated from that. So I had to take a step back uh, and I'm in the process now of rethinking uh, the whole platform um, and where I wanna take it next. Uh, I think I'll still continue to do the work, but I think over the last year or so, um, I've kind of gone back to, to its roots, uh, so to speak, and really focused on, you know, doing one-on-one -on -one work with, with guys who, who wanna really do this work uh, coaching, uh, really focusing on myself as well, kind of making sure that I'm in integrity with that work as well. Uh, but I do have some content. I've written some shows uh, that kind of follow the Dear Men series, uh, the evolution of that, that I hope to sell one day and, 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 and bring to life. So I do think that there's a content play there in some ways. Um, but, you know, for right now, I'm just kind of really focusing on, you know, me, the work, the integrity of it, and, and working on a more kind of focused level. Mm. Mm. That's cool. It's interesting because it sounds similar to honestly what Mike and I are doing with the state of men. We're kind of, you know, we're doing this podcast for ourselves, but also for other guys who, who are maybe on this journey and don't have other people to talk to. And um, sometimes we find ourselves kind of like going back and forth from being like, oh, how do we monetize this? And then getting out of the work and then coming back and being like, okay, you know what? Like, it's going to happen organically. We've got all these things. We'll just keep them here and we'll keep doing the work. And when the right time to monetize happens, it will happen, which it sounds like uh, kind of a, that's that play of like trying to do work, but also bring people in or teach or, but you're still learning. Uh, it's kind of can get messy. Um, I'm kind of curious, Jason, for you, like, do you have a core philosophy with your work? Like, do you have like one line or like a core belief that kind of, dictates because you have a lot of uh influence right so how do you determine like where that influence comes from like what's one of your core philosophies around everything you do it's hard to say just one one thing um but i think the one that comes to mind that i think unlocks everything else is you know the power of and i don't want to sound like Brene brown but the power of vulnerability and, and, <laughs> and truthfulness right and, and softness as it were as as men 
really is the, the key that unlocks the love that we all want, right? When you think about what we're really in search for um, as, as people, as human beings, is connection. Uh, connection to one another, connection to ourselves first, right? And then to, to one another. Um, I think in order to do that, especially with the people in our lives, you have to come to the table with some sort of, you know, vulnerability and openness um, to not only give and receive, not only to give, but receive love as well. And so, you know, that's something that I think a lot of men struggle with because um, when it comes to, say, heterosexual relationships and you talk about uh, the role that women play in that, you know, a lot of men feel um, distrustful uh, of that, of that vulnerability when it comes to showing that uh, and displaying that to their partners. Um, and I think that's part of what we're trying to, you know, try to debunk, right? Is that, you know, in fact, when you lean into that is when you receive uh, what you really look for. Um, and so I think it's really part of, you know, trying to debunk some of that and, and redefine some of the, the, those concepts. Where I actually listened to Brene Brown and like Glennon Doyle to become a better man. It's really like, it's kind of a reverse because of, it's like these women are have, I walked into the bathroom the other day and Kate was just crying while she's putting on her makeup. And she's like, this is really hard to put on my makeup while I keep crying. I'm like, what are you listening to? Glennon Doyle and Brene Brown, I just can't keep crying, you know? And so for me, it's like been helpful from that aspect to, to like tap into these emotions that I buried a long time ago. And then w when you're, how are you helping men because you just said something that I forgot exactly the phrase you said, but it's like, how are you helping men tap into those, you know, with the work that you've been doing? I mean, I think a lot of it is, is, is modeling behavior and, and, and you know, showing um, kind of just by the way I show up online as an example with social media. Um, I'm very open and, and, and vulnerable when it comes to showing love to whether it's my daughter, my family, my friends. I'm not shy to use the word I love you often. Um, so I think part of it is modeling that type of like for men to show up in this way. And I think you and, and Aiden and so many other men, sorry for that background noise, if you can hear it. It's fine. Um, you know, so many other men that, that do this work, we're all living that, right? We're all walking that walk. So that's part of it. The other part of it is, you know, really holding space, you know, and, and, and encouraging men to talk to each other. You know, oftentimes, you know, Sometimes people think that this work isn't happening, um, and and it and it actually is. It's just not happening uh, as publicly as people may want to want to see it, right? And so I think there are men's groups that are happening on a, on a weekly basis that people don't know about. I have conversations with my own friends uh, and my family members about some of these things. So I think it's part of it is modeling behavior. Two, the other part of it is starting kind of within your realm of influence and your circles and having conversations and encouraging the men in your life uh, to engage and to really take the opportunity to self-reflect. I think that's the beginning of everything, right? Like take that opportunity to self-reflect, look at yourself in the mirror, um, analyze yourself and, and, and really ask some hard questions uh, and then go from there. So that's that's kind of the way that I'm I'm trying to influence things as opposed to, you know, trying to cast a wide net and be all things to everyone. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, I'm curious, like, was there a, this, you know, it's interesting how we kind of put our feelings aside, right? Um, because that's how we think we need to show up as men. Because if we're emotional, then maybe we're not a good provider. Or if we're emotional, then we don't have our, our shit together, right? Um, and if we don't have our shit together, then how could we possibly like take care of our families? Um, and, you know, it, 
I always am interested in this connection with, from men, man to man in the concept of like, where does, because I see women having emotional connections with other women and like very just saying that they don't know what to do and they feel so lost. And But having that conversation with another man is, is hard to do one-on-one, let alone like in a group setting. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I have found that like when I'm in a group setting of men talking, it could be hard to really dive in a deep way. Um, so when you work with people one-on-one, like, you know, h- how do you, how do you make them feel safe? Cause I think that at least that's what comes up for me, right? It's like, I just don't know if me ex- sharing my intimacy with this other men or these men in this group, like. I, a sense of un, like security kind of gets dropped. They don't feel safe. So like, how can we provide that for our friends? How can, how do you provide it for your clients and stuff like that? Well, I think it's, it's part of the reason why I launched the lives of men to begin with, you know, when you, when you, when I was, when I go back to that time, um, I'm a big journaler, right? And I, this is all going to track. So I'm a big journaler. I, I, I write every day. Um, I think it's a, it's a therapeutic tool for me. Uh, and I got to a point where I was journaling about things and I was talking to a friend of mine about some of the things that I was going through at the time. And he was like, dude, you need to, you need to do, you need to put this out publicly, right? Because I guarantee you, if you and I aren't the only ones going through this, uh, there are other people that, that actually are going through similar things and would benefit from kind of just hearing your voice and hearing your experience and your story. So that was kind of the, the, the root of why I launched the, the platform to begin with. And then that's just kind of remained along the way, right? It's if you if you lead with an example, right? If you lead with your own experience and, and what, what you're going through, um, you'll, you'll quickly get to a point of realizing that you're not alone, right? And I think none of us are alone. We're all going through very similar things uh, because at the end of the day, this is this not just about being a man, right? It's about being a human being, right? And we all have emotions and fears and doubts and you know all th- sorts of things that we have to that we have to contend with. So, I think when you root it there uh, and you start with, from a conversation of of kind of uh, similarity and and familiarity, if you will, then I think then people start to open up. And then it's just about asking the right questions, right? So oftentimes I ask, you know, what is your purpose? What what do you think? you have put, been put on this earth to, to do, right? And oftentimes men answer in the, in the material sense, right? Well, I wanna be a provider, I wanna be a good husband, I wanna be a good father, I wanna be a good brother, a sibling, et cetera. And I often remind them that your worthiness of love has nothing to do with any of those things, right? You're worthy of love just because you are, you are right? Full stop. And I think when they start to understand that, um, then they start to kind of really look at themselves, not just as men, but as human beings with a full spectrum of emotions and, and a full complexity of, of feelings and thoughts and, you know, and, and traumas even, right, that go into who they are. And then I think it, that's when it starts, that's when you start to see kind of the veil lifted and then you start to see people open up. Um, because I think that's where it starts, right? It's really, you know, making sure that you're connecting on a one-on-one level and making sure that people and men specifically feel like they're not alone. Uh, and that can happen one-on-one and that can happen in a group setting. And I've seen it work well in both in both settings. Mm. So when you were journaling, was was that like your first step to opening up even to yourself before opening up to other men in your life? Absolutely. You know, one, one of the things that I often talk about is that my dad wasn't around uh, for significant parts of my life. And mm-hmm. so 
I've always been, whether I realize it or not, I've always been kind of a man on a journey, uh, uh, you know, searching, right, for, for who I am, for my identity, really trying to identify, uh, understand who I am and how I show up in the world. And journaling was one of those tools that really helped me uh, do that, right, or at least start to, to kind of make sense of it. Because what it does is, in a very real sense, um, it allows you to put your thoughts down. But then over time, if you do it consistently, it's a tool that allows you to go back uh, and identify patterns, right? So when you see, I uh, keep breaking up with my partners or I keep, these things keep happening in my life. You can see that play out in your journal, right? It's like your history. And then you mm -hmm. can take action on that. Um, but it's also for, uh, on the positive side, it's also a marker of your growth, right? When you can read a journal for a journal entry from five years ago, uh, and you can, and you read it again, uh, five years to the day, it's like, wow, you know, I've grown and, and I've definitely, uh, come through a lot of things. And so I think that to me has been such a powerful thing. Um, and it's been one of the major tools in my own healing, right? Um, as, as one of those kind of vehicles for self-transformation, if you will. Yeah. I always, you know, I go through phases of journaling, I like journal for this whole month and then I don't touch it for nine months and then I journal <laughs> again. Um, I don't know. It's just like, I guess some people just have like, do you, do you like identify in any, like as a writer in some context of like, your identity or yeah. not necessarily no i love that you brought that question up aiden because sometimes when people say oh you're a journaler that means that you know you're writing five pages a night you know <laughs> right and it's that's not what i'm thinking no, i picture you like sit you know, an hour every day and you're just you know <laughs> what i mean like this intricate language of like if you if nah. i read it i would be like wow this is so beautiful <laughs> it, at all. Not at all. <laughs> you know sometimes my journal entries are bullet points sometimes it's one sentence Sometimes mm. it's three pages, right? It really just depends. I think the point is, and I want you know your listeners to really take this away, is that journaling, there's no perfect art form for it, right? Um, it really is just a tool that allows you to put your thoughts down on paper in the absence of you having another outlet, right? So if you have another outlet, great. But for me, journaling is, is, is an important one because I consider myself somewhat of a lone wolf. Um, mm. And so I do a lot of things alone. I spend a lot of t time alone, which I'm comfortable with. I actually enjoy it. Okay. So my question, we're going to switch topics here. We're going to do like a 180, but it's your IG. Where did all, what, what happened? Where did it all go? Like, what, did you sit around <laughs> one Sunday and was like, I want to delete all these pictures. So I'm going to sit here and do it. What, 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 what's. Uh, you, you noticed, you noticed. Um, I did. <laughs> no, you know, I think it's just, uh, going back to my earlier point about, you know, the work and, and it kind of getting away from the, the essence of, of what it is. I'll be honest with you, man, if I could, I would completely delete all my social media and be off of it um, completely uh, because it, it, it's, it's a killer on the mental health. You know, mm -hmm. there's some, there's times when I'm just like, I'm feeling wired and I'm feeling just for whatever reason, just not myself. And I'm like, but what is it? Because everything's fine. I just ate. I had a great workout. Work is good. And it's just that, you know, you're taking so many, you're taking in so many messages from social media uh, that sit in your subconscious. And it's just like, yo, I remember before social media, I didn't feel like I suffered from any type of depression or anxiety or any, you know, major mental health issues. And so, you know, it's just the more I equate my use and my presence on social media to my mental health the more I realized I just have to like, try to separate myself as much as I can. So what that was, was just really kind of trying to clean things up, 
uh, in my mind. Um, I think, you know, I know social media tends to be our resume. Uh, mm-hmm. And I deleted a whole bunch of stuff that I've done because it really doesn't matter to me as much to be identified with that work as much as what it means to me and my family and the people that I love that I've done those things. You can always Google Jason Rosario and some of that stuff will come up and that's great. But for me, I kind of want to just get back to when I use social media uh, to use it for my own purposes and take control, take a little bit uh, of control back from kind of the way that I was using it. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I wish I didn't have to be on social too in a lot of ways. Uh, but Mike, you don't know too much, but like my whole career got started by being on social media platforms in general and like sharing my story and stuff like that. So it's like literally like you were saying, the resume of my life. And if I was to leave, it would also disconnect me from the world in which I have in in some ways helped create. Um, but I am trying to like cut back and not do it as much. You know what I mean? Do you think that yeah. there's a way in which um, like social media particularly affects men, in, whether that be positive or negative? hundred um, percent. I think it's on both sides. So on the negative side, it's, it wreaks havoc on our idea of what success is, right? And, and that process and what that journey is like. It also wreaks havoc on our idea of beauty, right? And how we look at women, for example, right? Like all these IG models. And, you know, I don't know why, but when I scroll through my explore page, it's all IG models. And I'm like, I don't like their photos. I don't yeah. follow any IG models. Like, why am I getting this content, right? So, you know, so it's just, it wreaks havoc on, on, you know, the, the real life relationships that we, that we have. Uh, and so I think that's a negative uh, in addition to kind of, you know, the warped sense of what success looks like, but on the positive side, I've, I've found community online, you know, and I think that's really big. That's really important. I found uh, like-minded individuals, men, women, you know, all sexual orientations, like just people that are like-minded in terms of how we want to live life how we want to build community, how we want to live the, leave the world in a little bit better place than we found it in. Um, of course, found Mike online or he found me and, you know, here we are. So I think that's that's been a, a positive of social media is that, you know, in a world that continues to kind of get bigger and bigger, we're now able to connect with, with people that we would have otherwise never connected with. And I think that's a positive. Are you thing familiar- I- oh, go ahead, Aiden. I was just going to say one thing I did notice on your social media, like even before you deleted a lot of your past stuff was like, you smile a lot in your photos. And I love that because years ago, I was just like, I'm never like, I'm not going to post one of those like hyper masculine, like I don't smile. Like I want to smile. Like it's a photo, like, please smile for the photo, you know? So I just want to give you props on just like, I think some guys like literally I'll take a photo with some of my friends. I'm like, why didn't you smile? And they're like, you know, I'll smile for photos. I'm like, why don't you smile for photos? So um, I just want to say a quick point on that. Cause I think it's a, it's a, I'll share a story. Um, there was a point in time where I didn't smile. Right. And I was kind of doing the whole blue steel, you know, looking <laughs> at the camera, you know, the whole thing. Um, and I think it's, it's part of my journey too. Right. Like it's, when you look at pictures of me, uh, from when I was younger, all the way up to like maybe eight, nine years old, I was always smiling. And then something happened. And I know what happened, but between nine and like, say, 32, I stopped. Um, and it was in large part because, you know, of kind of the traumas that I've experienced, right? like the idea of what it meant to be a man. Um, and then someone told me, an ex-partner of mine told me that I had a beautiful smile. And I never really considered my smile beautiful, right? Or I've never been called beautiful as a man, right? And so, 
that was like, wow, it was an eye-opening moment because it was like, okay. And then as the more I smiled, the more, you know, people started to associate my brand with my smile to the point where it's like, Jason, mm -hmm. your brand is your smile. And I was like, really? So it's just a full circle moment of really self-love, right? And self-acceptance, right? And so I think that's why you see me smiling from ear to ear now, because it's like, not only is it, you know, people prefer me smiling, but I prefer me smiling. Uh, and I feel more myself. And it's just like that full circle moment. So I'm glad you brought that up. It is, you know, because I see guys not smile. And I'm like, maybe I shouldn't smile in photos. You know, so I'll try to not smile and be like, you know, just without a smile. <laughs> and, and I look, like, I see the photo. I'm like, I look pissed. You know, it's like, I look pissed in these pictures. And I was like, I don't know about that one. But it is, it's a weird psychology thing about not, you know, where's that come? Does anybody know where that come from? Like, why does that exist? It's just toughness, right? It's just like, again, the, our definition of men uh, is that we're stoic, that we're strong, that we, you know, we don't show any type of emotion, right? And that the only emotion that's worthwhile to express is anger, right? Like the more angry you can be, the more tough you are, the, the more manly you are. And I think that's why smiling feels in some ways so foreign right because it, it invite it's an invitation right like a smile is an invitation it's a warmth right it's like yes i'm open to whatever i'm open to you i'm open to connection i'm open to conversation and i think that's why most men don't do it at least in my opinion wow all right so we gotta get rid of all our photos on ig <laughs> have better mental health with that and smile okay what is let's talk about your mental health you know like how has it been during the past you know two years like everybody's mm -hmm. had a different experience of what's gone down what are you you know so talk about that and then also like what are some things you're doing to stay sane yeah so so i think that's that's a, a an important point right because we're dealing with so many things right not just you know, a pandemic, but we're also dealing with a humanitarian crisis coming out of, you know, the social political landscape that we've lived in over the last couple years. I think that's taken a toll on all of us. So I think for me, um, it's being present, uh, again, trying to be wise, wise and mindful about where I'm consuming my news and my information. Um, but I think in terms of the things that I've done to make sure that I'm staying on top of kind of my mental well-being, are of course leaning into my journaling as we were just talking about, uh, staying active, exercising, not because I wanna get a six pack or anything like that, I can care less, but it really is about um, you know, those, 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 those endorphins, right? And those hormones that you release when you work out that make you feel better. Um, but another thing that I've done is uh, two things, two more things that I've done um, is one, started taking uh, music lessons, right? So I've started to take uh, drumming courses, because uh, drumming for me, music in general is, is really important. Uh, but drumming is, is something that I don't know, it, it's, it speaks to me in some way. So I decided to take drumming lessons. Um, and then I also started to take some capoeira lessons, um, you know, movement, uh, but, but not movement in terms of lifting weights and running. Uh, I know that when I think back, my dad was a black belt in Taekwondo. And I remember he was really good at it. Um, and so I wonder, I, it, before I started taking capoeira lessons, I was like, you know, what it would what would it look like for me to explore martial arts as a way to, you know, knowing that I'm my father's son, you know, it might resonate with me, and it has, you know, it really has in in not only from a physical activity standpoint, from a mental and spiritual standpoint as well. So those are two things that I've leaned into uh, moving my body and, and really uh, tapping into sound um, as as healing modalities. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. What say that again? Quat? What is it? Capoeira. Uh, it's, it's it's the Brazilian jiu-jitsu kind of. I don't know if you've if if y'all seen it, but what capoeira is is um it's rooted in um when Africans were brought to Af- uh, to Brazil um and they were practicing self-defense under the guise of dancing so it looks like a martial art but it also looks like a dance and so they would kind of practice self-defense techniques under the guise of dancing so that their masters wouldn't find out and so it's just it's just something that kind of came out of brazil that sounds cool yeah Yeah. it's interesting (laughs) i've thought about martial arts lately because i have some not healthy relationships with working out and i'm like well how can i move my body and feel like you're saying that endorphin, that goodness that you feel after you move your body, but also feel like I'm, cause I do like to, I like to have force. Like that's where I feel just like good. I just like want to f- be forceful. Um, and, but also like have a sense of like, you know, I'm not trying to change my body. Right. I'm also not trying to beat the crap out of this random dude, like in a boxing ring, which I feel like wouldn't vibe with me, you know? Um, so it's interesting you said that. Cause I'm like, Oh, okay. Maybe that's another, another little sign that I should maybe lean a little bit more into that feeling that I'm having of like, maybe I should try something out or even just explore, check it out. You know what I mean? Um, So that's pretty cool. What's been the biggest, because have you done martial arts before? Is this the first time really going down this? No, it's my first time. And, and, you know, what I love about capoeira is that it's non-contact, right? It's all kind of movement and, you know, positioning. It's a dance, man. It's beautiful. Um, so th- the reason I decided to do that was because, you know, while I've been an athlete most of my young adult life, uh, I played basketball in college. And so I'm used to kind of doing the runs and the weightlifting and all that. But I noticed that over time, especially as I got older, my body felt less responsive to those things. Not that I didn't see results, but it just didn't, I didn't mm-hmm. feel good. You know, I was just in pain and I was like, it shouldn't feel like this, right? Um, and so I was like, you know, what other ways can I move my body still kind of, you know, in, in, in the direction of, you know, one, staying in shape, but also just moving my body and uh, starting to do yoga. Um, I still want to go back to yoga. Uh, is a, a few times that I've tried it, it's been really good. Um, but I was like, martial arts, you know, I'm going to try capoeira because I think it's one, it's rooted in a really deep, beautiful culture. Um, but it's also, you know, an ode to, you know, nod to my dad as well uh, in some ways. That's amazing. Uh, I have a question about what you're doing. Unless you, did you talk about what you're doing now? Sorry, we had a tech issue earlier. And so I had to hop off for a little bit. No, we haven't. Okay. So let's talk about what you're doing now. And when you look at, can you just explain like, what is your job these days? Yeah, so I'm the Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer at BBDO. BBDO is, you know, tried and true, iconic advertising agency. Um, And my job as a diversity officer is to do two things. One is to internally help build a culture of inclusion and belonging. Uh, So do all of the things that you would think uh, a diversity practitioner does, right? Make sure that we're hiring diverse talent, that we're empowering that talent. Um, But then I think the unique opportunity that I have at a creative agency is to uh, impact the work, right? Impact the, the, mm-hmm. the creative output that we produce for our clients. So one of the things that I'm really proud of last year was that um, I was on the team that helped create the Eminem Super Bowl commercial. Um, you know, so I'm not sure if you all saw that, but that was pretty cool. Um, and it's all done through an inclusive lens, right? So it really is helping our clients and our creative teams think through 
through a more inclusive lens, how we can be more representative of the world that we live in today, but also the world that we want to live in in the future, right? So we all can point to examples of marketing campaigns gone wrong, where something happens and someone's depicted, you know, in an offensive way. My job is to, at its core, try to mitigate that from happening, right? Um, and so I love what I do. And, and the, the interesting thing is that, you know, oftentimes people look at my journey, they look at my resume, and they're like, how'd you get here, right? You went from starting your career in finance to entrepreneurship to media and tech and being on you know on a show and then you know and, and now you're in marketing and advertising leading diversity and to me it all makes sense right it's mm-hmm. like Steve Jobs says the dots always connect when you look backwards but um but especially my work with the lives of men has, has been a, a I would say the launching pad to kind of me getting to where I'm at because at the end of the day what we're talking about is how do we create spaces where marginalized groups can be heard and can feel seen and can feel supported. And I think as men, right, those of us who are identify as men, you know, if we've been in positions of power all of our lives in all areas of our lives, then what would it look like for me to bring all of that knowledge, all of that body of work that I've built, right, as a compassionate man, as a man who is in tune, is empathetic, who's, you know, done some self-reflective work, how do I bring all of that to the role right, and allows me to lead in a different way, right, and, and lead with more compassion, lead with more uh, emotional intel- intelligence, right, and I think all of that makes me better at my job, and so I think that when I was interviewing for it, we were talking about, you know, why it was important for me to continue to do the lives of men work, or that type of work, because I thought it was additive, it actually made me better at my job um, than not, you know, and it wasn't a competing factor, and so they saw that vision, um, and, and I'm happy to say that, you know, one of the things that I've learned is that the most important leadership attribute uh, is emotional intelligence, right? It's not smarts, as it were. It's not IQ. It's the ability to, to tap into human emotion and, and, and what people feel and what drives and what motivates them and then lead from there. And then what did you see? So are you working, like, if you bring on a new client, are you sitting down with them, think of their ideas and then giving like your perspective on how this could be approved? Like when you're looking at brands, yep. what are most brands missing? Cause you hear it a lot of time. It's, it's cause Aiden and I have talked about this around pride month where it's like, Oh, let me just throw, there was a joke I served about, you know, it's like uh, Northrop Grumman, Grumman, the missile producer. It's like, let me just throw a rainbow flag on the missile as we go bomb these other countries. Right. So like, what is it? <laughs> we're doing with as you're working with agencies and brands like how can because there's business owners that listen to this how can we evaluate what we're doing and showing up in the world to be more of an inclusive offering to people yeah I I think it starts with understanding that it's not just about the campaign itself or the casting as it were right or the, the the actual commercial the spot right it really is an exercise in looking at your business, your entire business through an inclusive lens. So I'm gonna speak directly to those folks that you said might be listening, um, that are business owners. When you're looking at your brand, think about from beginning to end, right? From insight to execution, how can you be more inclusive and how how can you be more inclusive across all aspects of your business, right? So my job is to come in um, and help them think through that, right? So what it, what does it look like if your end result is to be a more inclusive brand and be more inclusive with your customer base, then what are the 
how do you reverse engineer that and and think about the change management components to that like how do you have the right people in place you know through a through a recruiting strategy through a retention strategy and then moving that along to you know are you thinking about your product through through a more inclusive lens right like are you thinking about folks with disabilities and how they open your package as an example right um, and then all the way through to if you're going to put together a campaign who are you working with uh, and what communities are you talking to and who are you using in front of the camera and behind the camera to make sure that you are inclusive across the board. So, you know, it really is an education in helping them think about the entire life cycle from beginning to end. Uh, and it's all with the idea of being more inclusive and more authentic and more in integrity with that work. I love that. I'm just like, I'm kind of, there's just so much going on within companies and brands. And, and I, I don't know if influencer work has Feel like it's helped and heard it at the same time because you know what I mean um, it's okay for like an influencer to be like hey I don't use this but you should buy it but then if your friend is like doing the same thing they're like it's it's not as good it's not as cool it's not as informative when it's like one's authentic and one's not you know what I mean um, so I love that work that you're doing what are you the most excited about for you know for 2022 uh, I mean I think we're all excited about the potential of coming out of this whole, you know, pandemic thing. You know, I made the comment the other day that we're still we're a week or two away from welcoming in 2022, and we're still processing 2020, and that just my, that just blows my mind. You know, it's just like it's been two years of this, and I remember when um, back in March, April of 2020, when we were still kind of unsure of what this is, was all meant someone on the news said, well, we're, we're in for a two-year haul on this. And I was like, yeah, right. You know, I think we all thought that, you know, the, the lockdown was going to happen and we were going to have a great summer and then everything was going to be fine. And here we are. So, you know, I, I'm excited about at some point getting emerging from this uh, in some way or another. Um, but, but I'm also excited about just kind of the way that I'm living my life and how I'm choosing to live it, to be honest with you. It's just reevaluating what's important to me. Um, and then, and then making sure that I'm making the right sacrifices and the right decisions now in order to get to those goals. And I think that's such a, an empowering feeling as a man, right? When we bringing it back full circle about, you know, it's the state of men. I think when, when we feel as men that we're being, that we're moving towards something uh, of meaning, of value, of something that we've kind of always wanted to accomplish, whether it's a material thing or spiritual and emotional thing, it feels really empowering because it's like, man, you know, it gives you a sense of, of power and identity that's unmatched. So that's what I'm really looking forward to, man. It's just getting closer to those goals and taking care of the people that I love, taking care of myself and, and moving on from there. Love that's it. Amazing. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Seriously, no, this is a great conversation. Where can people, uh, where can they what? check you out? I was going to ask that, Mike, but then I'm like, maybe he doesn't want people to check him out. I know, that's why I thought in my, before I even said it, I was like, I don't know. He's got this IG, <laughs> but don't go there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, of course, my personal IG is, is uh, and it's private right now, but it's at Jason2 underscore Rosario. Um, but the Lives of Men uh, is the IG platform with all the work. Um, mm -hmm. But you can Google me, Jason Rosario. And, you yeah. know, so, and I hate that sounds so pretentious, but if you really want to get a full <laughs> kind of breadth of, of all the things that I've done, just, you know, type in Jason Rosario on Google and you'll see all the podcasts that I've done, the show on Yahoo News, um, you know, check that out, interviewed folks like Swiss Beats and Kevin Love and, you know, 
all sorts of folks. So I think that's that's really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, engage with with some of the work. But I would say the only thing I would ask is that as you engage with it, pay it forward and you know, um, you know, loop someone in as well. All of the links up, and I've watched the interview series that you did. And it's phenomenal. So I really did enjoy it. So that, that'll all be on the stateofmen.com forward slash podcast that everything's linked up there. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, Jason. Um, we got to do yeah, this again. Yes, it will happen again. Um, and for everyone listening, as Mike said, you can find out Jason's, all of his information in the show notes below. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at the state of men. And uh, if you want to, you know, go check all of those things out, go to the state of men.com backslash podcast. We love you. We appreciate you. And we'll catch you in the very next episode. <laughs>